All right, I want to say welcome. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are absolutely thrilled you're here. Um, we would love to have you back anytime you can make it here to Cross Point Community Church. We love the fact that you're here with us this morning, uh, worshiping our God, studying the scriptures. So what's going to happen is over the next 30 minutes or so, 20, 30 minutes, it might be a little shorter today uh, based on the fact that there are a lot more in here with the little ones. <laughs> I was thinking this morning, it's an all-out miracle. You thought the resurrection was a miracle. Getting kids to church, close second. All right. Okay, close to that is going to be those parents in here in this room looking down the line thinking, okay, Pastor Andrew, how in the world do you guys expect me to keep these kids quiet? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, these miracle devices, they're wonderful. We've already kept our little one-year-old at bay for the last 20 minutes with this little phone thing. But I also want to say that if the miracle devices aren't working, the coloring pages aren't working, um, it's okay. Parents, it's okay. The noise is okay. Um, and if your kids do, if you do feel uncomfortable in any reason that maybe your kid is making a little more noise than you expected, that's okay too. There's a cry room upstairs and some kids stations up there. So please in no way feel awkward if your little one starts making noise. We're okay with that. Um, I think back often to what happened in the New Testament church. I think of what happened maybe to the church of Corinth, and they're meeting together in these courtyards and praising God. I mean, they didn't just tell all the kids to, sh you know, be quiet for the next couple of hours. They were part of this. This morning, we have the privilege of having our children with us in church and worship. This is a family service, so I hope and pray that by God's grace, we can all worship together this morning. So, parents, good job getting everybody here. Kids, good job being here. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're thrilled you're here. Um, if you would, please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. So 1 Corinthians 15 is basically known as the resurrection chapter. So this morning, as we praise God for the amazement of the resurrection, we're going to kind of be hanging out right there in 1 Corinthians 15. You'll notice as you turn there on your, on your, uh, in your Bibles or on your device, this is a long chapter. <laughs> we're not going to go through every verse this morning. You're like, praise God, because we'll be here till next resurrection day. All right. We're going to spend time jumping around in a couple of these verses. We're going to look at some other verses in the scriptures. And this morning, though, if you kind of hang out right there in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll be returning to this passage often. You're more than welcome to turn to the other passages you have on your handout, but we will be returning to 1 Corinthians um, quite a bit today, 1 Corinthians 15. This week, I hope, I hope you had time, I hope you took time to meditate, as we talked on last week, on, on just the significance of the Passion Week. Last week being Palm Sunday. This week, going through every day, we spent time as a family walking through, not all the passages, but looking at the things that happened on the different days. Thinking about the amazement of what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. I hope you spent time doing that this week. We're reminded as we think back last week about the necessary rejection of the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ needed to do this. In our minds, we like thinking of the triumph, the victory. But in order to have the triumph and the victory, we had to have the rejection of the cross. 
So I hope you spent some time this week thinking on that. We ended last week, though, with what? Take heart. Why? Sunday's coming. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, guess what? Sunday's here. We serve a risen Savior. So I hope this morning you're ready and willing to be overwhelmed with the fact that we have a risen Savior. Resurrection Day is here. The proper church greeting, as Mike Woods just said, He is risen. And praise God for that thought. So, as we get into this today, would you agree with me that we live in a culture that is grasping for the word that is on the center of that screen right there? Hope. You can advance one slide. There we go. Hope. We live in a culture that whether they recognize it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, Everyone around us is looking for some kind of hope to grasp onto. I mean, it doesn't take long to just look at some of the stats of the amount of people in our country. I mean, we're talking about just in America here. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 40 million adults in America, 40 million are affected with anxiety disorders of some sort is what they're diagnosed at. 40 million people. And what are they doing? They're looking every day. Every day they're waking up. As they walk through every day, they're trying to find different things to bring them hope. I I was looking at a site called Bridges to Recovery, helping people as they walk through some of these things. Not a Christian organization, but they say around the world, nearly 350 million people struggle with a hopeless depression every year. 350 million people struggle through this. I'm going to tell you, so many believers struggle with this. So why are we here today? I'm here to tell all of us, including myself, that brothers and sisters in Jesus, there's hope. (laughs) We have hope. For me, one of the most practical uh, evidences of gr- trying to grasp for hope is, is actually this phenomenon. I mean, it's not new historically. We're always looking for superheroes through legends. Um, you can just go back historically. I mean, even guys like King Arthur and Roundtable, you know, the Spartans and the Warriors, you're always looking for that. But in the last 50 years, there has been this emergence of this amazing infatuation with the superhero culture. You understand what I'm talking about? I threw a couple of these guys up there, and, and Wonder Woman's up there as well. But when I think of this, I think of this obsession we have. For me, this is just a simple, a simple evidence that people are out there grasping for some kind of hope. Someone's taking a picture because you're trying to get the superheroes. You're like, no, hold on. It's Resurrection Day. Why are the superheroes up there? Well, there's a reason. Here's the reason. As I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about all the money put into superheroes, all the time put into superheroes. Marvel and DC, in the, next, in the last six years, Disney's Marvel has made nearly 12 million just on their movies alone. People are paying money to try to find a semblance of something that is exciting and at the end brings a little bit of hope. Whether they realize it or not, we love the hope that comes from that. It's just a simple evidence. DC, I mean, 
So I'm, I'm what, I was talking to Richard about this a little bit ago. I'm what you might know as like a moderate superhero fan. I'm not intense, not extreme, but kind of moderate. Those in my family, there's a couple in my family that would be more dedicated fans. But I, I'm more moderate. But when I look at this, I think Marvel has 7,000 superhero-related characters. Do you realize that? DC 10,000 superhero characters, many with just these amazing powers, some with off-the-wall powers, the dude with a shark head and stuff like that. Where'd that come from? But the fact of the matter is people are looking for power that brings them a semblance of a little bit of enjoyment because there's hope to be grasped. So whether you like Marvel or DC, whether you like Justice League or the Avengers, Whether you like Spider-Man or Batman, whether you like Captain America, which I'm partial to Captain America, I kind of like him, or Superman, Wonder Woman or the new Captain Marvel, whatever the case may be, it's clear that we have a culture with a bunch of people, and maybe you don't care at all for this, that's fine, but just recognizing around you, there's a culture of a bunch of people who love holding on to some sort of superhero hope. I was thinking about that this week. I don't want to spend too much time on this. But there is a bit of nobility in this. Why? Because there's some recognitions in the superhero culture. Can you advance one slide? Here's what it is. There's a recognition of a troubled world. We live in a messed up world. And it's readily put out there. We're not trying to candy coat it at all. Here's something else. In these movies, in these books... You have looking for some kind of an expression of powerful hope. Whether it's running fast like the flash. Whether it's blowing things up. Whether it's pounding the, the ground with your hammer. Whatever it may be, we want an expression of power that will help the troubled world. What else? So we have a troubled world. We're looking for an expression of hope. But there's some excitement at the, at the end of each one of these books or these movies that a semblance of hope was found. In this troubled world, there's hope. Well, I also scratched my head this week and reminded myself of a couple things. This, this simple fact. As much as we like the superhero culture, or may not like it, it's not real. <laughs> it's fake. It's fictitious. All of these, these characters all 17,000 of these characters, not real. All the powers that they claim, as much as we like to think about running fast and showing great power to beat up things and to protect yourselves and fix everything, all of those powers are not real. Sometimes watching these things, I stop and think, I got to remind myself, Andrew, yeah, that's cool. That's really cool, but it's not real. As much as I want it to be real, that's not real. And here's the other problem, is that hope that we find at the end of all of these stories, these narratives, guess what? It's only temporary hope. It's not real hope. It's temporary hope. So as much as I like this superhero thing, and I know there's some huge fans here, so that's great. I want to remind us that this is not real, and it only provides temporary hope. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters in Jesus, that's why we're here today. Here's why. Because we have a real hero. This is Jesus Christ. This real hero who you read about in that real book on your laps, 
the Bible. These real stories, these stories of a real person, the great God-man Jesus Christ, and his real power, his real power was what? It was giving life to death. His power was seen in the resurrection from the grave. We have a real hero with a real power. And guess what, brothers and sisters in Christ? This real hero with a real power provides us with lasting, permanent, eternal, put whatever tag you want on there, but it is enduring hope. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, can provide for each one of us in this room today hope. We praise God for that thought. Now, enough of the superhero stuff. I want us to look a little bit more about this theme right here. Because of the powerful resurrection. So we're here today to celebrate something. It's the power of the resurrection. By the way, do we know it as power in the scriptures? Absolutely. Paul continually talks about the resurrection in the same context of overwhelming power. Uh, One of the favorite books in my Bible that I love is a book called Philippians. And actually, if you're visiting with us, you can come back in the next couple months because we're going to jump deep into the book of Philippians. I can't wait for that. But in this book of Philippians, Paul says this, that I might know him. I want to know Jesus. And what does he want to know about Jesus? The power of his what? Resurrection. Listen to what Paul says to another church. Church in Ephesus, this book of Ephesians, he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. When we think about the Bible, we think about real expressions of power. Guess what the real expression of power is? Jesus Christ giving life. Jesus Christ raising from the dead. So this morning, this key idea that's on your handout, because of the powerful resurrection of Christ, we can embrace a permanent hope in Christ. This is not a superficial hope. This is not one that lasts till the next superhero comes. This is a permanent hope that every one of us who have come to God in faith in Jesus Christ, we possess his faith. It is permanent hope. I want to look with me. Would you look with me in 1 Corinthians 15? Look at verse 19. I love this because this verse tells us that hope is wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19, it says this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What is this being said right here? That through the resurrection we have hope. So what we need to do right now is stop and define what is this word hope. Okay, so in our minds, we think of hope in terms of wishful thinking. You you understand what I'm saying? 
All right, right now you're sitting there, your kids are sitting with you, and you're like, I really hope this guy doesn't go as long as he did last week. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right now you're thinking, oh, I really hope that meat in, in the crock pot doesn't burn, right? That it's tender. Wishful thinking. All right, I met some NFL fans out here today. I have Pete the Cowboy fan right there. All right. But here's wishful thinking. I really hope the New England Patriots don't go to the Super Bowl next year. We had to pick on the New England Patriots again, all right? Wishful thinking, and just to be honest with you in our culture and in this, in this community here is, I really hope that the fires don't happen as intense as they did last year in, this, in just Shasta County. That is what we would know as wishful thinking. We're wishing that something happened. I want to tell you, as you open your Bibles, the word hope in the Bible is not tied to wishful thinking. If you could advance the slide, that'd be great. When you open your Bible and you read this word hope, it's not, I really anticipate, I really hope and I, I wish this will happen. The hope in the scriptures is tied to confidence. It's a confident expectation. It's not, I hope this will happen. It's, I know this will happen. That's the hope in the scriptures. And we find this hope. And what is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 15? We have a hope as believers. Not a wishful thinking that this is really cool if we can have life now because Jesus has life. No, the hope in the scriptures is, I know it's going to happen. It is a fact. I have confidence that this is going to happen. So we need to start from the onset. When we talk about a permanent hope because of the re resurrection, we're talking not about wishful thinking, but about a confident hope. So can we look more about this confident hope? Can we dig a little deeper in this key idea that because of the powerful resurrection of Christ, we can embrace a permanent hope, an eternal confidence in Christ. Let's just look at a couple of these points. First of all, this. Our permanent resurrection hope means that. What does it mean for you? Here's what it means. That we can fully trust God's promises. When Jesus rose from the dead, guess what he did? He fulfilled the promise of an almighty God. What are we talking about? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. Would you look at verse 14? If Christ has not been raised, and th these are powerful verses. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is vain. Verse 15, I'm going to read for just a couple verses here if you'd follow along. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Verse 16, for in the, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Some of your translations will actually say the word vain or worthless. If Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, everything we do, do here, everything we're talking about right here is absolutely, I'll say it, worthless. Do we see here the power of resurrection hope? Look with me at verse 18. 
Then those also who are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life also, or or only, verse 19, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, and I love that, it's like Paul saying, but in fact, okay, so this is confident expectation, not wishful thinking, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. What just happened here? What has Paul done in 1 Corinthians 15? If you're new here this morning, you don't uh, know quite as much about 1 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the most re- religiously intelligent men of his day, writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what is he telling us? Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is saying this. I am assuring you that the resurrection of Christ happened. If you actually go to the beginning of the book, or sorry, of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, guess what? Paul says it was observed by over 500 people. It happened. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it happened. And what is Paul saying? This happened. And what this does is it leads us to remember that God he can be trusted. His word can be trusted. If you keep going, you see verse 20. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by, by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Now he qualifies that statement in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. What just happened here? So we're in 1 Corinthians. You know what Paul does? He refers back to the beginning of your Bible. Do you understand that? He refers back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3 when Adam rebelled against God with Eve. And God, in Genesis 3, 15, gives us the first presentation of the good news. What is that? That God's going to set it right. Do you understand that? What is your Bible? What you hold in your lap right now? It is one promise of God after another being fulfilled all the way to Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have hope. I mean, there's so many other passages we have we can look at. I'm not going to go to all of them this morning. But Romans 1 clearly says that God promised this beforehand. Paul says in Titus 1, I'm just going to read this. Titus 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life. There's that word hope. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Guess what the resurrection is? It's evidence that we can trust God. It's evidence that God keeps his word. What's the takeaway? Brothers and sisters in Christ, in a world full of of skepticism, whether it's through atheism or agnosticism, guess what can ground our confidence? The fact that Jesus rose from the dead and gives us hope. Let's look a little deeper at this word hope, and I'm going to go a little quicker because I think the children are getting restless. (laughs) All right. Um, By the way, we were talking with our kids about this last night. We were reading 1 Corinthians 15, and we've been walking through this this week, And uh, our little one, Eva, is really uh, 
really taken this in, a little five-year-old now. And we were talking last night and I said, guys, Jesus died. He's in the grave. What's happening tomorrow? What's going to happen in the morning? And our little Eva says, God survives. (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah, well, kind of. (laughs) All right. God does survive, but Jesus is resurrected. And in that, I want to just clarify that God survives because his character survives in the resurrection. His promises come true. God survives through the resurrection and we can trust everything he has. Okay, let's go to the next point here. What else does permanent resurrection hope look like for us? What does it mean for us? Not only that God's past promises come true, that we can put all of our stake right in to what God says, what happens in the present? Clearly in the scripture, we find that we can joyfully face present struggles because of hope, confident expectation. Not only do we trust past promises, we trust that God will get us through today, right now. The trials we face this week, guess what the resurrection means for us? That we can make it. There's hope. I don't want to pretend to know that I know all of the suffering that's going on in this room, all of the trials that you're facing. I know a lot of conversations went with a very heavy-hearted family this week. A lot of prayers went for the Lyons family. Bill Lyons, who was going to be up here helping with the worship, lead the worship this week, next Saturday, to bury his wife, Candy, someone that many in this room loved dearly. I'm not going to candy coat it and say there's, there's not going to be suffering in this world. When we look at the scriptures, it's not just Jesus saying, I'm going to extract you from all of the suffering. But what does Jesus say? Because of, the suffer, th- because of the resurrection through the suffering, you have hope of a better end. You have hope. Where do we find that? There's a fellow in the scriptures. His name is Peter. Okay. If you want to know anything of Peter, it's that he lived on a spiritual roller coaster. <laughs> this guy was all over the map when it came to his emotions and decisions he made. I mean, we're not going to go look at all this evidence of Peter's life, but this guy was on mountaintop and in the valley all within five minutes. All right, we see that in the Passion Week. If you read this week, why? Because in the upper room, he's saying, God, Jesus, I will never deny you. Remember this? And what does Jesus turn? He's like, oh, Peter. Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Guess what's going to happen before the cock crows in the morning? You're going to deny me three times. This confident Peter in the upper room, we find him in the very next chapter sobbing his eyes out. An emotional wreck. And I want to read a couple verses that Peter, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says. Here's what Peter says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mike was just read these verses a minute ago. To an inheritance, imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And he says this in verse six. In this you rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. What is Peter saying? There's hope through the trials you're going through right now. And what is the hope for the trial you're going through right now? That Jesus rose from the dead. Brothers and sisters in Christ here at Cross Point Community Church, I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. You have a Savior that rose from the dead, and He will guard you to the end. So what, are, what, is, what does this hope look like for us? This hope looks like to us that we can trust what God said in the past. We can joyfully live for God in the present. What does it mean for the future? Here's what it means for the future, just as we just talked. We can confidently embrace future death. Think about this. What was Satan's greatest tool? Think with me on this. Satan's greatest tool was to, insta- to bring into this life, knowing the promise of God, knowing the restrictions that God gave in the garden, to bring about death through Adam and Eve's rebellion. Satan's greatest tool is death. Christ's greatest victory is life. We don't have to face this death, this physical death. I shouldn't say we don't have to face it. We don't have to fear this physical death because we will all face this physical death. I want to read with me. Would you read with me verse 50? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. We could talk more of this, but I just want to read the verses. Verse 50 says this, I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable uh, perishable inherit the imperishable. But I tell you a mystery. We're not all going to die, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. And here's the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up I love the terminology. Death is swallowed up in what? Victory. Paul says this, Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? (coughs) The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What has Paul just said here to this church? That stinger that Satan has put into this world of death? Guess what Jesus has done for those who put faith in him? He has removed the stinger. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Guess what? Jesus gives us victory. Although physical death may be experienced as we just talked about with Candy Lyons, and I want to preface this, I want to say this, guess where Candy Lyons is today? (laughs) She is worshiping with Jesus Christ himself. I don't know what exactly she's doing, but I know she's with Jesus worshiping 
She may be watching what's happening here. She may be watching her family, but I know this. She is with the risen Savior. There's more verses we could go, at, go to, but I want to kind of wrap this up this morning. I want us to remind ourselves that this key idea, because of the powerful resurrection of Christ, we can embrace a permanent hope in Christ. So what? Can we just spend a couple minutes on this so what? So what? All right, Pastor Andrew, you got up there and talked and shared verses about hope. What does that mean for me? I want to turn that around to you and ask this question. By faith, have you embraced the permanent hope in the resurrected Christ? I don't want to take for granted that every single one of you here in this room has put in your, put, placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that all of you have experienced the resurrected Jesus. But I want to assure you of this. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, by grace you have been rescued by faith. I love what Paul says in Acts to this jailer who's about to kill himself in Philippi. He says this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be rescued. My question is this, have you embraced the hope of the resurrected Christ have you come to God by faith in this risen Savior? I, I love this, this saying that I came across this week. Life, without, life with Christ. Life with Christ is an endless hope. Talking of hope. Life with Christ is an endless hope. Life with Christ is a hopeless end. Where are you headed? Are you headed to an endless hope in this Savior? Or are you headed to a hopeless end without the Savior? My plea this morning is on this resurrection day, if you've never placed your faith and trust in the one who can guard your soul, who can bring eternal resurrection, would you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today? I praise God that as a young 10-year-old boy, and there's a lot of little ones in this room, as a young 10-year-old boy, memorizing all the verses in the Awana program, loved the, the verses, filling my head with all this Bible knowledge, sitting under the preaching of my dad who preached every week, sitting there thinking, where am I headed? Thinking, I've never placed my faith and trust in this resurrected Savior, coming to Jesus on my knees that very day, putting my faith in Christ and saying, I believe in you. I repent from my sins. I am now ready to live a new life in the power of the resurrected Savior. Would you do that today? Would you come to Jesus in faith? So is one of the questions I have this morning is this. Not just will you come to him in faith, but those of you who have come to him in faith, will you take consideration this question? Are you daily placing your confidence and the resurrected Christ. Daily. Who's going to get you through this week? It is not you on your own strength. It is the power of the risen Savior. I love what Paul says to uh, this church in Rome. He says this in Romans 6. We have been buried 
Therefore, with him, by baptism into death, we have identified with Christ's death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we too might walk in what? Newness of life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, because of the resurrection, we can walk differently this week. We can have hope for whatever trial comes your way that you serve a resurrected king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, not some simple created superhero with some, with some superhero power that's going to bring temporary hope. No, this is a real savior who provides real power and real hope for you to take another step this week in your spiritual walk. I love what Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. You can look with me at the last verses. Well, we'll just look at verse 58. What does he say? After this whole resurrection chapter, what does he say? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, you're, that in the Lord your labor, it's not worthless. It's not vain. We have hope this week. So the question of the day is this, what are you hoping in? Not wishful thinking, but what have you placed your confidence in? I want to close with a quick story of a fellow in the early 19th century named Edward Moat. Anybody heard of Edward Moat? Okay, random name from the past. <laughs> this young man was raised in a very poor and godless family. Uh, they ran a public inn in London, England. He was filled with, this, this public inn was, as you can imagine, filled with godless practices. This was, this is where this young man was raised. He grew up knowing virtually nothing about Jesus. He never attended worship. In fact, this young man went to a school <coughs> that denied Jesus and didn't want anything to be read about the Bible. This was the school he attended every day. This young man played on the streets, picked up the streets ways. But this young man through school became an apprentice of one of the most successful, well, one of the most efficient cabinet makers in London. This young man started making cabinets. This young man's apprentice said, come with me, I want you to hear of some hope. This young man's apprentice brought this young man at the age of 16 to hear of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word. After being brought to this sermon, he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, never to turn back. After a godless life following the ways of the world, Edward Moat devoted his life not only to building cabinets, but to building lives for Jesus Christ. This cabinet maker also loved sharing from the pulpit. This cabinet maker preached for years in his life until his health failed him. Earlier on in his life, when he had come to Christ, starting to preach, starting his preaching ministry at age 37, guess what this young man wrote? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, it's what? 
It's sinking sand. Edward Moat writes this, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And I'm going to say right here, there's some darkness that's happening in some of your lives right now that seem to hide his beautiful face. But I want to say the same thing as Edward Moat says here, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless, I'll stand before his throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And we're here today to praise the resurrected Christ. Why? Because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So we thank you, God, today that we can find hope in the resurrected King. It's not some superficial power that may seem really cool, and it is cool, but not some superficial power, but a lasting power, the power of the resurrection that brings us a permanent hope your heads bowed this morning or your eyes closed or however you want to pray maybe you want to stay in there and pray that's fine but would you enter into a couple moments of prayer with me there may be some here today you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ let me ask you this would this be that day you come to Christ by faith Repent of your sins. Come to him. Embrace the Savior. Would this be that day when he changes your life? Come to Jesus. Call on him to save you today. Those of you who have come to him in faith, would you take a moment, just you and God, would you thank him for the hope of the resurrection?